Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're starting a discussion on Enslaved Odyssey to the West. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. First off we have Greg. What's up? Next we have Dante. What's good internet? And last but not least we have the homie Trevor. What's going on? Alright, so as I said before, we're talking about Enslaved, Odyssey to the West. Um, this is the first selection of Greg, or I guess the of our selections. This is uh, Greg's choice. So I'm going to kick it to Greg so he can introduce the game. Okay, uh, so I guess I'll start with why I chose this game. Um, so I played it a little bit after it was released, maybe a few months after it. And kind of as usual, just kind of bounced off it. I, I don't really remember what I was playing at the time, but it's always been something that I've wanted to go back to. Um, so I figured this would be a good chance to do it. Um, also, if I remember right, this game's come up with the last two times in our voting. This is like... Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, Can you just say that the real reason was peer pressure? Can we just get that out of the way? <laughs> I, I mean, that, that could be a little bit of it, but... But also, I, I did have some interest in going back to this at some point, so um, figured now that would be the best time, probably. So, um, so a little bit of background on the uh, studio that created this. Uh, Ninja Theory was originally formed in March 2000 in Cambridge, UK, and at that time they were known as Just Ad Monsters. Um, under this name, they created a uh, one title, which was Kung Fu Chaos, uh, which was a hack and slash multiplayer game. Uh, the studio was eventually picked up by a publisher known as Argonaut Games, uh, and that was back in September 2000. Um, they started working on a demo to kind of shop around, and this is how they eventually got in contact with Microsoft, who uh, was looking for games for their uh, unannounced console at the time, which was the original Xbox. Uh, fast forward several years, uh, this game eventually came out in 2003, and... Uh, to a little bit, I mean, I don't, I don't remember how the reception was, but I remember it was just kind of a run-of-the-mill game. So, um, Eventually, fast forward a few more years, uh, they start working on a sequel to this, and um, eventually the the publisher that they had, Argonaut Games, uh, ended up running into a little bit of trouble, so they ended up purchasing the, the share that they had from them and rebranded the studio uh, to what is known now as Ninja Theory. And uh, they took the work that they were doing for the sequel for Kung Fu Chaos and turned it into what would be known at, later as Heavenly Sword. Um, so Ninja Theory also went on to do a few other games, which Enslaved was one of them. And uh, also they uh, they took on the reboot for the franchise Devil May Cry, known as uh, DMC. Uh, studio's been known for their stellar motion capture detail, fluid combat and controls, and their strong attention to detail. Um, so they began work on Enslaved. Uh, I guess it was announced September 2009. Um, it was coming out for 360 and PS3. And um, it was just announced with some screenshots of the two lead characters. Uh, Andy Serkis, had, uh, who was one of the lead characters in this game, was working with... Uh, uh, Ninja Theory on the previous title that they had Heavenly Sword so he was a little bit more involved with the motion capture side uh, performance capture side of this game uh, the gameplay was developed to include more variety than their last project which was Heavenly Sword opting to give players more 
more ways to deal with scenarios such as uh, using stealth to avoid combat or trips abilities to aid in distractions. Um, as far as combat, uh, Ninja Theory chose a more streamlined approach than other action games to make it more accessible. Uh, they also tried to design the two main characters to have somewhat of a codependent relationship and to not make trip feel like dead weight. Um, the method of motion capture that they used was the same method for Heavenly Sword, which was advanced for the time and was highlighted for its ability to capture small details and characters' expressions. Um, this game is a action adventure platformer. Um, it was released, uh, October 5th, uh, 2010 and a complete version of the game was also released with all the DLC. And that was in October 25th of 2013. The story is a reimagining of the novel journey to the West by, I'm going to probably butcher this name, Wu Chang in, um, the original story took place in a fantastical version of ancient China. Uh, but this game is set 150 years in a future post-apocalyptic world following a global war. Uh, humanity is almost all wiped out along with still active war machines left from the conflict. Uh, the plot revolves uh, around someone who forces the help and protection of a warrior. Uh, the game's story was written by Alex Garland, who was the writer for uh, 28 Days Later, and later on went to direct Ex Machina. Uh, the reception to this game and slave was positively reviewed. I think it had around 83% on Metacritic. Uh, much of the praise was directed at the art style. If you look at a lot of the post-apocalyptic games at the time, like gears of war or uh, fallout, the very dark drab games with kind of muted color palette while enslaved is a very vivid game. Um, and you can also kind of see this in devil may cry, I guess the DMC remake that they had. Uh, the game received six nominations from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. I guess it's DICE, but uh, but no, didn't win any awards. Uh, Namco Bandai had projected sales of about one million, but it didn't hit the mark, reaching about 460,000 by November 2010. And almost a year later, it had only totaled about 730,000, uh, which wasn't substantial enough to warrant a continuation of the franchise. Uh, so the sequel that was planned at the time was ultimately canceled. Uh, so that's about all I've got for it. So can I just say that you do the most thorough intros and I super appreciate it for this game. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. All right. So, um, yeah. Uh, what I'm going to just go around the table. What, what version or what, uh, version did you guys play? So I played on uh 360. Uh, I ended up playing on Steam. I have the 360 version, but again, it was kind of like the thing of I'm just being lazy, so I just went ahead and bought it on Steam. Gotcha. And what about you, Trevor and Dante? I uh, played it on 360. Steam. Okay. And then, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Dante and I are the only two that have played this game to completion? Yeah, I think so. So, do you know how far you got when you played? Or did you get very far? I think I had got to about chapter five. Chapter five, and then Trevor, you, this is completely foreign to you, right? Yeah. Well, not the start. story, but the game. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and Trevor, you've read Odyssey to the West before? Yeah, Journey to the West. I had to read it for a class, but that class ended up being one of like my favorite literature classes because we, we read a bunch of like epic tales, and of course, we read uh, Journey to the West, and. and it was like a really interesting story. And there's a lot of adaptations of Monkey or Journey to the West, like in movies and video games. Like um, Dragon Ball Z, Goku is based on uh, Sun Wukong. 
I see, I see. Okay. Um, well, I guess, um, I guess you guys want to just go into the gameplay of this game first, or should we cover it? You think we should cover it that way? Yeah, might as well. I think we should at least, like, set up some of, like, the setting and, like, Greg's thing was really good, but also, like, just so they know, like, what we're fighting in. (coughs) Okay. How the game, yeah. As Greg said, uh, this is a story that's set hundreds of years in the future where there was a global war that has decimated Earth. So in this future, um, the entire human race has nearly been eradicated and there are robots basically plaguing the land. Um, although they are like from a bygone era, era, they are still following orders to eradicate the remaining humans. And um, the cool thing or the thing I appreciate about this is it takes place in the modern or, like, the current, uh, like, it's not a fictional world. It's, like, uh, Earth. So, like, there are monuments. There's, like, I think, uh, I believe it's the Statue of Liberty. You see that in this game. They make uh, one of the story beats. uh, There's a um, play that's being held or holograms are acting a play, uh, a Shakespeare play. So, like, it's, like, our time, and kind of like what Greg said, um, and this is the thing that I, one of the things I like the most about this game, because I freaking love this game, um, is that it is such a bright and colorful game. Uh, The environment um, is just overrun, overrun with greenery and just, like, shrubs and just all types of... uh, foliage you know foliage so all types of trees and like even though you're in an urban environment like a city there's vines and grass and all these things all over the place and a lot of times when you see like post-apocalyptic versions of uh cities it's super dark and dusty or um i'm trying to think like mad max style or even like what's what's another like even when we played fallout yeah, Fallout, where it's just super gray and drab, where this is the exact opposite, and it's just like, oh, without all these humans here, it's just Mother Nature has a t- you know the ability to like spread, you know, and just be everywhere. And then the, the most interesting thing, or the cool just juxtaposition, is that there's all these machine like mechs and everything in this environment, and they're super dark, gray, and drab, but then they're in this lush and like. Uh, colorful environment. Um, and I guess that's like their iteration, right? Because Journey to the West is not necessarily set in the future, right, Trevor? No, not at all. Is it's, it just um, most of the like, story of the characters? Like, if we want to get into it now, the, um, the game doesn't exactly follow the story of the book. Like, the only similarities are the characters. So it's like loosely based off of... Yeah, like a almost like a futuristic version of it. Gotcha. And how do you think? I guess do you like the setting for the game and just how it's how it looks and how vibrant it looks? Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Because one of the things is even though it is like supposed to be based in like New York or on Earth, it seems like it's completely fantasy, like it's completely made up. And yeah, and isn't that like kind of interesting? Because like normally you see New York, and it's just like a, you know a city, just a yeah. nondescript city. Um, and then uh, the other 
the other cool thing I like about this, and I think that we'll probably maybe touch on it again later, is Ninja Theory does, in my opinion, they do a fantastic job with the way they do the facial animations in this game. So uh, there's a select amount of characters that you run into in this game, and I feel like the facial animations just do a good, a fantastic job of bringing life to these characters and, like, some type of drama and, like, urgency and, like, when they're interacting with each other. And it makes it very, like, engrossing. I didn't even think about it now that you said that. But, like, I guess given the fact that there's only, like, two characters. Dude. Uh, <laughs> they, they can kind of, like, go all out as far as that stuff, right? I, it is, yes. And, uh, like, I kind of wanted to, like, that's, like, my trump card, like, my trap card that I wanted to play in episode two of this. Where it's, like, just this story only has three characters in it. Like, for real, like only really has three characters and it's so engrossing and like i'm here i'm here for it and i just really 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 like how they do the facial animations for these characters and i'm not saying it's like it's very realistic and not necessarily as realistic as something like la noir how that they went all out but this is like basically to me it's like the next best thing Honestly. Well, I guess if if you look at it like that, right, L.A. Noir came out, like, what, like, three years after this or something like that? Or maybe it was a couple of years, but, uh, like, think, for the time... I think it was a they, year later. Yeah. So, uh, for the time, I felt like it was really, like, good motion capture. Yeah. I, <laughs> I cannot I know, say enough about that. I know Andy Serkis did the voice for Monkey, but did he also do uh, motion cap? Yes, yeah, he did. he did. Okay. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's one of the things he's known for. I will say that this is probably the first game where I actually, like, actively went to IMDb. And in my mind, I knew that dude was famous. I was like, whoever does the voice of Monkey is not just a video game actor. He must do more. Like, straight up, I mean, this is stupid, but, like, just how gruff and gravelly his voice was. When I first played it, I thought it was Vin Diesel. (laughs) 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 But, like... It was Andy Serkis, so like even even cooler, and that dude is awesome. So, um, I I really 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 like this game. Uh, they kind of alluded to the fact that uh, this game kept being brought up, and there was peer pressure. Um, I I think every single inner vote that we had amongst ourselves to kind of determine what game we were going to pick, I always had this on my list. This is. Probably how Dante feels about Metal Gear Solid Revengeance is how I feel about this game. It's probably like the best. Whoa, way whoa, say whoa, it. whoa, whoa! Like Metal Gear Solid Vengeance, Revengeance isn't like a top twenty game for me. Oh, I just think it's really good. Okay, well, you were saying I remember you said it was like one of your favorite third person action adventure games ever. It's very good. It it's very good. Okay, well, this is this is like. Definitely top five, one of my favorite 360 games, or, you know, like, that past generation. So, this would definitely be in my, like, top 20 in my life. Probably top 15. The the real question is, is it better than Bionic Commando? Hands down. There we go. <laughs> the definitive answer. That's the first sensible thing he said on this podcast. <laughs> I, I There's no words for how excited I was to play this game, you guys. 
Um, let's, let's get into the gameplay, because I can gush, and I got a lot. Like, I literally, on my notes, I have I have a list. Things I F with about this game. And then it's, like, a list of, like, ten things. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. I feel like this is going to be the anti-revengeance. <laughs> That's why I needed you here, man. Because I needed to hear, like, you need to bring me back to reality, you know? Like, because I can gush and gush, but I need you to bring me down and, like, yeah, you're right, Marcus, but what about this other thing that you're overlooking? So, like, you know, you're the yin to my yang. Um, Peanut butter to the jelly. Basically. <clears throat> Um, so the player takes the role of monkey, which is the Andy Serkis voice character in a third person perspective, using a variety of combat moves and platforming skills to overcome obstacles. Um, in combat monkey utilizes a staff that doubles as both a close range, a, excuse me, close combat and long range projectile weapon that can stun or damage foes. And then, uh, as we said before, enemies are like, they come in the shape, like all the enemies you fight are mechs. So... They have different forms, so they have shields, they can block your attacks, There's, uh, they have turrets, sometimes they have like some type of status effect over their head, so like you can do a finisher and then they explode right afterwards, or they can call more enemies to battle, so there's a little bit of, um, I guess the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like a pseudo-Batman combat. Not in the sense that you go from fighting one thing to another, like, seamlessly, and there's, like, a, a score that's being tallied up, or, like, a combo that's being tallied up, but in the sense that, like, you're going to fight, like, three or four different enemy types at, a, at the same time, and so there's, like, specific ways that you take them down. Um, there's a heavy emphasis on platforming, with monkeys scaling and leaping across the varied ruins throughout the game. Some areas and platforms uh, even collapse, so they require faster timing in order to avoid falling to your death. And then uh, you, uh, monkey is accompanied by Tripitaka, I think is how her name is, but they just call her Trip in the game. And basically, he must escort and protect her as they travel. And I know what a lot of people think when they hear escort is that, oh, like, head, you know, I roll, like, I don't want to bring some dead weight with me. Um, and I think one of the things that I do like about this, kind of almost like when we talked about Bioshock uh, Infinite with Elizabeth, where they are such valuable assets to you um, in, while you're playing through the game. So um, she has abilities, like, she can create a hologram D decoy she's very tech savvy so she can create like this hologram decoy to attract the enemy attention she can heal you she can even um hack into oh i should admit, uh, say this too um the reason why you have to escort her is because she attached a, a headband to you a slave headband that basically <laughs> has a kill switch on it so if she dies you die so you have to do everything in your power to protect her and basically you have to escort her to her village which is however like hundreds of miles west of new york so she's kind of like enslaving you you know a little bit but um she does prove to be useful her tech skills so um as i was saying so her she hacks into your headband to basically reveal enemy locations and mine locations so it makes it easier for you to get around uh, what's up, Dante? I was just... You said that with not that much conviction, and you do realize that the game yeah, is enslaved. But I think it's like a multi-situ... Like, there's multiple 
It works on multiple levels. Yeah. So I, I, I think I get it, but I don't think when I think of enslaved, I think of what the slavers are doing and not that's like the prominent like enslaved, you know, like I don't know how to describe it. You, do you get what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying. It, it, there's multiple enslavements happening. I don't even know if enslavement is a word, but I'm going to use it. I thought you were making a pun too, but. Oh no no! Like I, I I mean I recognize that she is basically forcing you initially against your will to help her, and because of this headband, you are basically beholden to her. But I don't think this is the only instance, and because of the way their relationship develops, which initially it's it's not you know it's non consensual, but. After a while, well, you, you made it sound like they did it. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like she's holding you against your will initially, but I think after a while, like even if you didn't have the headband, Monkey would help her out on his own volition, right? Yeah, he starts to see both sides, and you know, <laughs> cool with it. Okay, man. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, even though she la- she lacks the athletic ability to like get around in the world as quickly as you do as monkey, her small size does help out in certain world puzzles. So she could fit into smaller spaces, or she could be thrown up to platforms to reach places that monkey would not be able to reach. And then um, I really like that they added that too because it seems like some games when you have a companion, it's like they magically follow behind you closely, even like when you scale tall buildings. Like, you may not see them scale the building behind you, but all of a sudden they just pop up and they're at the top there with you. But they, like, <laughs> showed her inability to, like, to scale stuff and, like, she needs help being lifted up on the platforms. Yeah, there's even instances, too, where, like, there's one instance where she's just very scared. So you literally just give her a piggyback ride and, uh... Basically, just do that. You traverse the environment with her on your back, and you can do that a, a large portion of this game too. You can just put her on your back as well. Um, you can't fight in that instance, but you can like do the platforming, and uh, obviously, be, uh, as a nod to like platforms of of the past, uh, there are things you can collect. So there are orbs that are littered across the environment, and they drop after each battle, uh, which you use to. <clears throat> upgrade your combat abilities, your devices abilities, as well as like your shields and your overall health. And then there are like 20 something masks hidden in the environment around the uh, the game that they kind of like they provide these weird fourth wall breaking cutscenes and I think what I read was something like um they are like they're the developers, aren't they? Well, some of them are pictures of Andy, are Andy Circus. Yeah. So they they are like it's like a fourth wall breaking way of showcasing a gl- it's supposed to showcase a glitch in Monkey's headband that expo- uh, shows him visions of what appeared to be life before the war. So like it's a cool little weird almost it, it makes me I don't remember the story but I, I re- it made me think of like Assassin's Creed 2, when you do all that, um, the, is it the feathers? You're talking about, like, the Apples of Eden? And- yeah, yeah, and it just shows, like, some weird, like, real-life real, real life stuff going on. 
And like this is like the same thing where it's showing weird. It's it's just showing shortcuts to different photographs with this weird uh, visual uh, filter put over the top of it, and like it's super quick, jarring, and then it just cuts back to the actual game. And um, I actually don't even think there is any type of payoff to getting all the masks. Like that's um, what I was about to ask. I I. I think you just get an achievement. I don't think there's any explanation for why it does that. So it's not something that is necessary, but it's like a cool nod to like the platforming roots where it's like, Hey, like the people, when they play platforming games, they collect things. So what if we put these little headbands in here or these masks in here and people can collect these? That's kind of how I see it as and not necessarily like a necessity. Um, yeah. So, um, the, one of the things since I've beaten this game, and I think Dante, yeah, Dante's beaten this game. Uh, one of the things that we ran into is, unfortunately, uh, unless we delete our data, everything carries over. So uh, I know I've beaten this game twice. I think so. I have upgraded my character fully. I have all the found all the masks, and I have most of the orbs. So um, I'm not running into some of the same stuff that you guys are probably running into. And what was were you having some of the same issues, Dante? Where you felt like you were yeah, overpowered in combat? Like you just don't have any type of challenge, at least for where we're at right now. It's once you upgrade the shield, it trivializes a lot of. Well, I don't want to say it was hard in the first place. I don't honestly remember enough about my first playthrough. I don't remember having a hard time, but with all of the upgrades they give you, you really don't have to worry about much. Yeah. yeah. Come, coming into it at like on a brand new like playthrough for me, like it it's fairly easy. Like I don't think I've died but maybe once the entire time and it was uh it was during the all the combat that you had in chapter seven, I think it was just because I was, uh, I was getting hit by turrets while I'm trying to, uh, do some of the combat. But other than that, I mean, I mean, it's been pretty easy. What about you, Trevor? Have you run into any issues with, um, no issues at all. Um, the, one of the first things I bought the first upgrades was, uh, regeneration. Like it regenerates health over time. And that almost makes, those um the health packs like useless like i don't think i even pick them up now gotcha gotcha yeah it's like for me it's like because i have everything maxed out like i'm not even i don't remember what combat was like that early so it's like dante said it's been trivialized so um that is one of my complaints of this game is that it is not that difficult um I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I, there's not really a challenge. Well, I remember, like, some of the... Like like you said, the game's not difficult. But, like, some of the... The difficult fights where, like, you might get overwhelmed by a bunch of enemies. Or even, like, the first boss encounter. Like, when you get hit, it's almost disorienting. Like, for your character. Like, you have to, like, kind of regroup... And you can't, uh, as far as I know, there's no way to lock on to the enemies, right? No. Yep. So, like, when you get hit, 
like the camera kind of moves around a little bit. And, and so you have to reorient yourself to, you know, to get back on track to, you know, after losing your composure, I guess. Like the game does a really good job of, of um, displaying that. It also doesn't help that, at least for me, I feel like in some of the scenarios, like the camera is just way too close. So it's like you're trying to, so you, you get hit. And then on top of that, your screen is like completely red. So that, that doesn't help either. And then you have to deal with the camera sometimes because it's just like super close. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's probably like one of the issues I had during combat. So one of the things I will say, like, one of the biggest positives I had about this game overall was some of the camera work they did. I do agree, like, the camera is in way too close for an action game. But since this game is kind of, I, I don't want to say trivial, but it's like, it's not, it's not, like, super hard and you're not, like, trying to parry stuff, like, one-to-one and stuff like that. So I really enjoy, as you hit the enemy, the camera swings along with Monkey's pole and it makes this very cinematic feel for the combat that you're in. Tell them! Or what about when you get that last hit on somebody, and it zooms into his face, and it's in slow motion as he's, like, basically destroying the mech? Uh. That is, like, it's, like, it's so sick, too, because it's, like, the, the mech is exploding, and it, like, zooms in on his face, and it's, like, lighting up, and, like, just the, the, the way they do the lighting in it. And, and it's actually a little, like, over the top, like, maybe too much lighting, but it's so satisfying every time it happens. And it's like, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was, <clears throat> I was just gonna say, I realized I do the exact same thing in DMC, where like when you kill the last enemy, it's like it zooms in like that, does like kind of the exact same thing. I didn't really think about that till now. And then one of the things too, um, just speaking on the camera angles, um, I can, I, I, I agree with you guys it being a little too close, and that's not something that I ever like. It never bothered me, but I do agree that that does seem off when you compare it to other games of this like style. But uh, one of the things I do like about the camera is when you're actually playing in the game. Like I like when you're going through the environment and the camera angle is changing, and I feel like it does a good job of like changing the camera perspective to like showcase the environment and just like the world you're in. So like you, sometimes you get like a really cool back shot of like the background as you're jumping over something or the camera angle is changing as like, if you're on like a bridge or like climbing up something, I think a lot of the camera angles they use do a good job of showing like this epic uh, environment, you know, that he's in. I got a real like uncharted ish vibe from a lot of the the platforming in this game. I don't know if it was just me. Well, it's uncharted light. Yeah. Which do we do we want to go into that or do you do you want to finish up the combat stuff first before we go into the platforming? Stuff? We can we can do the combat stuff. Uh, or actually, I mean, because I, I kind of like I don't have too much to say about the platforming, and I have probably more to say about the combat. So. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the platforming a little bit. Yeah. So the platforming is fine. It's very typical um, third-person adventure-style platforming. But it also has some issues, in my opinion. It kind of has that PS2-era, like, 
instead of let me like instruct the player through the environment it's more hey let me make all of these things glowy and you just got to jump to the glowy bits and back then it was a little bit more prevalent but playing it now it's kind of it's kind of fallen out of vogue to do that so i have a hard time kind of forgiving it on that aspect i i want to hear trevor's opinion on that first before i so this game came out in 2010 right yeah so we had the first assassin's creed at that point so if i were to another game marcus likes I do like the first. Assassin's oh, the first Creed. one. You yeah, like, I like them? the fir- I like the first and the second one. <laughs> He's like re- really. <laughs> I, just, I only played the first two, and I like both of them. The first one is very monotonous. Yeah. And but uh, I, I enjoyed it. And and the climbing aspect, the traversal, is one of my favorite parts of this game, honestly, and that's the reason why I love it. And it's mostly because of the animation. Like I don't think they put so much work into trying Preach. to let you grab onto like any type of ledge or anything but Preach. they put more work into the animation because you're you're basically paying attention to your character moving while they traverse the area rather than trying to worry about missing a a handhold or you know you know not jumping far enough to to reach a ledge on, on top of that um I'm, I, did I cut you off, Trevor? I don't know. No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. On top of that, I just think because of how bright and like vibrant this world is, they had to do something to pull your attention to what you needed to do. And not to say like, oh, you would get lost in the like, you would. But, but could you just use that example. But consider like Mirror's Edge. The original. But, okay, that so was like a super bright and vibrant game. Mirror's Edge was not bright and vibrant in the same way. Mirror's Edge was like. The environment was white, gray, and red, and I, I was, I that was that's a good example because I was going to bring up Mirror's Edge too because like the only thing I can think of in Mirror's Edge is like you knew where you had to go because it was red, and like if you were to play Mirror's Edge on the hardest difficulty, I don't think it did this, but for example, if it just turned off the the redness, so you just had to know the the route. That's the only other like alternative I feel like for this game. So like if we play this game on the hardest difficulty, just turn off the shiny aspect of it and it's just like okay, you just need to have played this game a couple times to know what you need to go. But I do think Mirror's Edge got away with it because there wasn't that much color in that game compared to this game. And I and I feel like this game it would be too easy to like get lost in the in the world if that makes any sense. My favorite game of 2017 actually did the same thing. Horizon Zero Dawn. It had glowy stuff? Yeah. Like the um, the parts where you can grab onto were yellow. Like, I, I get what you're saying, Dante, and I do wish that if I, if I play this on the harder difficulty, like, they didn't have the glowy stuff, but I understand the design decision on why they included it, and I'm okay with it being included. Like, and I, I never thought about Trevor's explanation of like the 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 climbing animations in this game are amazing like they're awesome to me they're like super like it like it's very fast and fluid but the it feels weighty like the way the character is moving it like when things are collapsing and, and like it seems like there's a threat and like a danger and i think that 
the animations do a good job of showcasing that. Now, on the flip side, I feel like if this game, like, I don't feel like the climbing is that difficult, and I and I know that's probably a complaint that you have, and, like, I, that's maybe another knock I have, uh, one of the few knocks I have on this game is that there's not really much to the platforming. It's just kind of like, just tap A, tap A, tap A, tap A. Okay, cool, you've, you've you know, performed the platforming, and I don't necessarily like that. But um, I think they do so much other things right in the aspect that I'm willing to overlook that. However, um, I guess if you're speed running, like, have you noticed that if you time your jumps just right and hit A, like, right as you um, as you grab something, you'll automatically fling yourself to the next handhold? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to watch the entire animation of cer- certain animations so you can quickly traverse it, and I just kind of like. I bet. I mean, like we're button mashers, right? Like you guys mash through the yeah. <laughs> I mean, war story. I, I imagine if you're, <laughs> oh yeah, if you're trying to challenge yourself, you would try to make it so that you're you're traversing like in that one level with the tower, like you're basically climbing the tower in one fluid motion rather than you know jumping and stopping at each ledge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I, and don't get me wrong, like, it looks cool, and I like the platforming, but I don't think it's that difficult. Like, and if I'm going for that personal challenge of, like, I'm speedrunning and I'm trying to make this look as fluid and, like, effortless as possible, that's one thing. But, like, if I'm not doing that, then it's kind of just like, oh, like, at the very least, let me, like, alternate or, like, let me grab with, you know, right trigger, left trigger or something like that and kind of alternate that way, you know? Like, that's maybe, like, my only complaint. I mean, I'd say at worst it is par for course for AAA Western third-person adventure game, like, as far as that stuff goes. So it doesn't do anything better or worse, per se, as far as, like, climbing mechanics. Gotcha. Um, And you, did you have any other things platforming-wise that you needed to uh, get off your chest? So, yeah, it was mostly the glowy stuff, and it just, I don't know, it it honestly didn't do too much for me. Like, I did like the the mechanics, the actual engine behind the platforming felt good, but most of the stuff they had me doing wasn't, I guess, very captivating, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I think that just kind of goes back to the thing of, uh, it seems like they wanted this game to be, like, super accessible, like, even in terms of, like, combat, right? There's not, like, a lot of combos or anything like that. There's not a lot of mechanics as far as combat. So it's just kind of like, well, let's just make this as easy as possible so people can kind of get through it and see the, the story, I guess. The crazy thing like, is... It's this not... game feels really, really good. It feels really good when you oh, yeah. jump from platform to platform. It feels really good when Monkey hits one of those metal things and it has that little ding, ding, ding. And when you do that finishing blow, it also, everything feels good. I just wish they developed more around it. It was more deep. (laughs) There was more to it. Pretty much. And they kind of get there with their next game, but that's different. (laughs) Huh. Okay. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Um, As far as combat, do you guys want to talk about combat? As well, I know, I know you said you had some things you want to say about combat too, Dante. 
And Greg actually already started alluding to it. So I think like this game, this combat in this game is kind of like Batman Light, the the Arkham series. Uh, It's not as uh, the way. Okay, so there's like you know different types of enemies. So there's like you have to account account for different types of enemies. So there's kind of like a puzzle aspect to how you take them down. The issue is. Or one of the, the the issue is is that they're they're like kind of taking turns attacking you. They're not like you're getting attacked, you know, from two or three different people. As Dante alluded to before, there's not really a parry. More so, there's just a blocking. You just throw up your shield, and um, so there's like it's less timing focused or timing uh, based than other like Batman combats or anything like that. There's not a combo system, so you can just do like. Just keep mashing X. Um, you have X as your main attack. Y is your heavy attack. And then you can have, I think it's X, Y, or excuse me, X, A as your wide attack. And then once your staff is glowing, once you've landed X amount of hits, then you can do like a finisher move, which is a, um, it's B and Y. So there's a little bit of like Batman-y uh, combat there. And then you also have like... Um, the only gadget you have is uh, if you hit left trigger, you uh, your staff can shoot a. Uh, you have two different types of ammo: a stun ammo and a like a plasma ammo. Stun stuns your uh, opponent, and then uh, the plasma one just shoots them and does damage to them. So there's a little bit uh, in in that. It's not as in depth as Batman, but I do like that. I do like the combat in this game, and um, it's it's fun. I like like this is another opportunity to watch some of the animations that they have. They have like cool takedowns in this game, so um, those are really cool to watch. And um, <clears throat> I want to hear what other people have to say. So let me kick it to you, Trevor. How do you feel about the combat in the game? Yeah, I. Just like the climbing and traversal, I really like the animation. Um, they've really captured, I guess, the essence of like a, a monkey, the way a monkey would move fighting. Um, and I never really paid attention to like the glowing staff, like while you're fighting. But it does, like I unlocked the, um, I forget what it's called, like a special focus attack that you can use. That's what it's called, yeah, focus attack. And... um and usually it pops up like a little caption on at the top of the screen. And so I've never even noticed like his staff glowing. But it's cool that they would add like contextual clues about, you know, how to attack. Because you can also unlock an ability that allows you to see um, when an enemy is vulnerable, when an enemy is about to attack, and when they're shielded. So it kind of clues you in on what to do because a shielded enemy is blue, so... With Xbox, you know, I'm associating I'm associating with them with the um, the button colors. X is blue. You know, you use um, you can hold it down in order to um, break their shield when they're vulnerable. Um, they're yellow, which is Y. You can um, you know use your heavy attack. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know the contextual aspect of the combat. I think is is really good. Okay. Uh, what about you, Greg? Um, I think for the most part, I like the combat. Um, 
I think I only really started having an issue towards the uh, the halfway point of this game where they start kind of laying it on a little thick. Um, it starts to become a little bit like monotonous and then kind of annoying just because it's just like they just keep throwing them, throwing enemies at you over and over. And again, it's 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 like it's kind of like the combat's a little mashy. Um, so you know, it's you just kind of so you body everybody. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I know how you are about hey, mashing. Hey, I'm all about that. Um, so yeah, I think that's the only time. Like for the most part, up until about chapter seven or so, like it was, it was good. Like you know, the I liked the the gameplay flow. It was a little bit of you know, sneaking around some combat here and there, platforming, you know, you platform, get to the next area, then you might have to, you know, try and either use stealth or a little bit of combat. But then once you get to like chapter seven, they're just laying it on, like just straight up, just encounter after encounter after encounter. It's just kind of like, at that point, I didn't really, I wasn't really liking it, but outside of that, yeah, for the most part, I liked it. Gotcha. What about you, Dante? How do you feel about it? So... I have a lot of thoughts. Good. Overall, the combat is pretty enjoyable. I think it it's more simplistic than it needs to be. I understand that they were going for a streamlined experience. But at a pretty early point, and this also partially ties into me having that like New Game Plus file or whatever that carries over a lot of stuff. But... There are some fundamental flaws, I think, in this combat design. So, one of the main things that I noticed was the block is this all-encompassing, like, pretty much, I can be saved from anything. And, granted, it's a skill that you upgrade, like, you eventually upgrade your block so you can literally take more blocks until you, like, can't block anymore. But it really doesn't matter where they're attacking you from unless it's, like, literally right behind you you will block everything so that kind of trivializes um a lot of the i guess difficulty aspect of it and like your placement another big thing i had was the combat system was very simplistic in my eyes like is there okay answer me this is there any menu you can go to that shows you your combo list? Is there is there even more than one combo for real? I, there's not. There's not a combo. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like you can kind of transition like you can do from X, a... X, X, Y, X, X, Y, whatever. Like you're going to do that X, X, whatever, and it's going to pop out the same animation. Exactly. Y finish exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, that goes back to the streamlining thing. So I understand why they did it, but for somebody like me. It was a little disappointing, especially with the platforming being kind of, you know, very simplistic as well. And then my probably biggest gripe with the whole combat system is the enemy variety is practically non-existent. Especially for like the first five or six chapters. You were literally fighting the same robot over and over and over again. And eventually there are turrets and stuff, but you're still mostly using those turrets just to take out the robots. So you never really have to change up your strategy up until you get to the bigger enemies in like <coughs> chapter seven and eight. And I think there's only like one or two more enemies. So you're never really forced to reassess what you're doing. 
So this kind of goes back to my thought of this being like a great podcast game, like something that doesn't necessarily need all of your attention to play it. And that also goes back to the streamlining of things. So I can definitely understand the appeal of that. I can understand why they did it. But personally, it wasn't for me. I feel like I've been slapped in the face. So, like, normally when I hear people say podcast games, it's something that is like an MMO or like a Destiny-style game, something that Borderlands, something that they're, like, mindlessly shooting or doing some type of activity in order to gain experience and rinse, repeat. Like, they're knocking out quests. Just things that aren't as story-heavy... Are you saying that, is that a slick way of I, saying that the, the story, story in this game is kind of whatever to you too? Yes, that's that's kind of, you know, a different topic. But I also feel like most of the story is, hey, we need to get to this place, we need to get to this place, we need to get to this place. Which isn't necessarily it's... a bad thing per se, but like the moment-to-moment story stuff isn't really there. It's not the necessarily the story beats, it's the way the story is presented. Because, I mean, these are these two characters, and when they go to cutscenes, it's not, like, the one thing I will say, or I feel, is like, the cutscenes don't... If you, like, if you really just, I hate boiling it down to this level, but if you take chapters one, well, one has a lot of stuff in it, but I'd say chapters two through about eight the actual plot of those is pretty straightforward they're just trying to get somewhere there's a lot of character development that happens between the beats and i think that's the thing that this game does really well but the actual plot is just a means to enhance the character development almost like they're on a on a journey to the west (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes i mean I, but i'm just saying like there are ways like there's plenty of stuff that happens in dragon ball as um as they make that journey and they have both char- character development and a plot i'm not saying that this game needs a plot per se i think this is a narrative like choice that they did but i'm just saying personally i did not find it captivating there wasn't that much music going on dur- throughout the entire thing so I didn't feel I wouldn't have felt bad if I played the game with just subtitles and like listened to a podcast as I played. But the facial animations. I can still watch the game. But you can't hear how it's being presented. You can't hear Andy Circus in all his gravelly glory. I mean That's I understand true. what you're saying. Like what you're saying is like the overarching like driving mission for them between you know chapters two to eight is like we just got to get to this place so chapter two we got to get to this place chapter three we got to get to this place and it's the same place but then like i feel like those chapters in particular uh maybe not it's the character development you're saying but i think it's also kind of showcasing the the world and i feel like the, the set pieces that they have so some of the things like the um and I guess we can get into that now, talking a little bit about the chapters themselves, but, like, just the environments. And, like, you can kind of... It expands on this future dystopia and, like, showcases, like, these environments 
in this world. And I, and I think that is cool. I think, I think some of the, a lot of the environments in this game are really cool. And like a lot of it is in this first half of this game. Um, but like you said, maybe it, it isn't tied to the plot per se. It just happens to be the setting, you know? Um, well, does anybody have anything that they need to say about combat or say something on what Dante was talking about? The, um, it's foolishness. The... <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know what it's called, but when you use your your staff as a as a gun or you can shoot the stun or plasma blast yeah yeah plasma shots that is op it is it's so strong like dude you can practically one shot the dog with that thing it's so good yeah i've upgraded it once and i can one shot pretty much everything as long as it doesn't have a shield i wish um and this is me being such a fan of batman uh combat I wish there was like um, like a quick, like if you just because you have to hit left trigger to, um, or hold left trigger to pull to use your staff as a weapon. I wish you could just like double tap left trigger to like do a quick shot on somebody. Uh, that would be really cool. But you're not fighting near the amount of enemies in this game as you do in a encounter in Batman. So like I understand why they did, but I thought that would be really cool. What's up, Trevor? Um. I don't know if this is necessarily combat. Well, you use it in combat, but whenever you use Trip's um, skills, I wish it either paused or slowed down time. Because I don't know if you ever tried to use it like while you're in combat, but it is it is not very intuitive. No, I've never tried to use it in combat. Easier. Say what, Dante? You want to make this game even easier. <laughs> I mean... It's a, a it's a single player game, so why why when I try to pull up, um the the little wheel for, um for her to move like to give it's her a command, it is a little sluggish, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I feel you. And have y'all have y'all used the vials like to heal yourself with the trip? Nah, man, I re- I regenerate my for, life. So I don't yeah, know for some nah, reason yeah, it doesn't I mean, even work for me. Like, do you have, you have to be, to be close s- to her or something? I think you have to be close to her. Okay. Yeah, she's always off hiding somewhere. What are you doing so. getting hit? Just don't get hit. Man, if I take a little bit of damage, I, <laughs> I just want to use one of those vials. <laughs> gotcha. Um, let, let's get into the story, so then... Maybe there's some redeeming qualities we can pull out for Dante. Talk about this environment. I don't know. Maybe he'll like it by the time Make we're done into with the this. villain. That's great. <laughs> Okay. Slave my opinion. I see what you're doing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, so uh, the the game starts off and um, uh, Bunky he wake he wakes up in a containment cell aboard a slave ship. Um, he escapes and accidentally causes the vessel to crash. Um, he reaches. Actually, let me let me take that back. I think actually Trip Trip is also on the um on the uh ship as well. And I believe she does something to override the uh ship and that's actually what causes it to kind of start malfunctioning and then Monkey manages to escape from his uh vessel and at this point the ship is going down 
and he's trying to get Trip's attention. She's just trying to escape the ship that's going down. And at this point, the, the game is presenting you with the, the tutorial. So, like, you're escaping this slaver ship, and it's presenting the tutorial. So, how to move, how to, like, you know, do the platforming. It shows shows you combat, um, and it kind of puts some of this stuff together. So, you have to, like, traverse uh, the outside of the ship while uh, also fighting two mechs on the, on the ship. Um Trevor, me and you love the tutorials. We love tutorials. Um, how did you feel about how the game presented this stuff in the middle of like, like it kind of gave you real world examples as you were, you know, learning or playing? I liked it. And it was mostly because you're doing it on this ship that's basically about to crash. And so it makes you aware that you're not going to be in this area for long. And I think no sandbox this time. Exactly. That kind of adds to like the urgency of it. Like, okay, I've got to pick up these skills pretty quickly so I can get through it. And it, what about you? And it, it oh, does man. a it does a good job of um, introducing you to new stuff like um like trips skills, um like over the the next couple of chapters. I think it it paces that out a, a really well. Yes. Not yeah. Kind of going a little bit ahead. I do. <laughs> appreciate how the game introduces new things to you it's like it doesn't just it like here's all the things you can do and then you have to figure out when you could use it like every time they introduce it it's like introduce something new to you it's in a situation where you need to actually do the thing that they're showing you or telling you what to do and then that's how you learn in my that's how they teach you in this game it's like here's a world world example do this thing okay cool like on here's some like filler text. Oh, you can use this ability to do this as well. And then you're good to go. You've learned it. Um, and then the next time it shows up, they tell you again. And then the time after that, and then the time after that, what, what do they do that with? Dude? Like, I know you're going to say everything puzzle but... <laughs> in this game. They freaking give you the solution. Trips always like, maybe you should do this. Maybe you need to um... Did you say the P word. I did oh, snaps! We're not playing brothers! <laughs> <laughs> I will say, they these would be good... This is another thing about them streamlining stuff. They they were almost there. They had puzzles in this game. They have. But then they take them away from you. They have they ca- capital P puzzles. They take them away from you because Trip's like, Hey, Monkey, what if you did this to solve this? It sounds and it to me- happens a lot. If you pay attention, it happens a ton, and it ticked me off. And I actually, yeah, they, they just constantly do tutorialization, even after you've learned the initial skill. I actually didn't notice, but now looking, thinking back on it, there's one puzzle um, that I do remember them doing it too, but I just kind of didn't think about it. So. I don't know, like... They do what they, the whole windmill thing. Yeah, that's they the one I was really thinking of. That's the on one that. I was thinking of. No, wait, they really? do a good job? No, they don't. I don't remember... Well, they tell you you need to get to the top of the three things and pull them down, but they don't spell out, like, hey, you need to go to this side and, you know... They tell you, they give you the button this. prompts, though. Hit this button to do this. I don't remember that I'm part. pretty maybe, sure they... Maybe they, they did do it. 
I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe I'm just thinking of the, the the wheel, the sub wheel, when you're supposed to stop it versus start it or whatever. Um, oh yeah, the the actual like hold LB thing. They might telegraph that a little bit. I don't know. As far like, as like actually having to navigate the windmill, I thought they did a good job of not being like not having trip say like, "Hey monkey, you need to get to the right side so you can get on this lever and ride it up to the top or whatever." If you stay there long enough, they'll say it because that happened to me. So maybe that means that Dante was stuck because it was truly, and that's why he's using the word puzzle because he had to stop and think about it. That was one time I did have to stop and think about something. Oh in this game. snaps! Did you, what about the um, scaffold, the the one in the theater? Because I don't remember them giving you any um, type of prompt for that. That you know what I'm saying that that one. So that one would have been better if it wasn't just. Literally go to this switch. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the, the puzzle was difficult, but I'm saying as far as them spelling out what you needed to do. Yeah, I don't remember them specifically spelling out that one, okay. to be honest. And I think that one was a little bit more straightforward. I wish they had a little bit more complex versions of that, and maybe we'll see that in the back half. I doubt it, but there's always that potential. Actually, yeah, when I was playing this game, I started thinking about Brothers, and I'm ready to reclassify that game as a puzzle game as well. So, I'm glad we're we're all on the same page. Huh? You know my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... So, yeah, like, I, I think one of the, the most... Like, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but uh, I, I really appreciated the tutorial sequence that they have in this uh opening chapter and then i I think this is like a prime example of them kind of whetting your appetite for like what's to come with the the way they do the combat with the slow motion uh that shows up in here some of the camera or perspective angles changing as the ship is blowing up you're you're hopping over things like even some of the ways that the the oh you're just like i'm trying to think of an example um i think there was an instance where you're pulling the door off of the... You're on the outside of the ship. You're pulling the door off of something, and it's this cutscene. You rip the door off, and then you just let go of it in this cutscene. And then the door hits the turbine of the plane you're on, and then it takes that turbine out. So then the plane just starts tilting, and now, instead of you being on a horizontal surface the game puts you, because uh, you, you're out of the cutscene now, and the game puts you in a vertical uh, sequence, and you have to climb up this wing of this plane as it's veering closer and closer to hitting the Statue of Liberty. So, like, some of these instances, like, the, are super, they're, like, super cinematic, and I, and I really, really appreciate and like that about this game. And um, I, I feel like this in- intro chapter does a good job of like wetting your appetite for here's what's to come, you know? And I feel like this is a really good intro to this game. And, um, and it even like the environment, despite it being so colorful and like vibrant and lush, like on the slaver ship, you, you run into a guy and you're asking him for information and, uh, you kind of threaten him and he has this headband on his face, which, uh, and it uh, eventually becomes the headband that you have on you, your uh, character on monkey and he gives you the information, and the, this computer overhead just says, like, uh, w- warning or uh, violation, like, slave gave uh, advice or gave help to uh, escapee. And then you just see 
the headband light up and basically fry the dude inside it. And then it just, it paints a super bleak world that like, even though you're in this super lush and like vibrant environment, there is some crappy stuff happening. Like you're on a slave ship and like this dude just basically gets his brain seared because he helped you out. So I thought that was really interesting and really cool. Not to mention you're fighting like giant killer, you know, mech robots, which is also cool. So um, did, did you guys, uh, specifically you, Trevor, did you like, I don't know what you expected with the game, but did that kind of just like, yo, I'm ready for everything this game is going to throw at me? Yeah, I don't know if you remember in our group chat where um, where I said, yeah, this is my type of game right here. But that was after the first sequence. Yeah, man, it's so it's so good, it's so good. Um, yeah, so that that's chapter one. Um, I think chapter two. Uh, you end up uh, the end of chapter one. I think the way it ends is uh, um, Trip gets to the last escape pod um, as the building is about to crash or the plane is about to crash into a building, you're banging on the outside of the skate pod to have her let you in, she hits eject, and then you're holding on to the front of it as it ejects, and then, like, the screen goes to black, um, because you guys crash into some building or some, something like that. Uh, and chapter two starts off, and you find out, you wake up, you got a throbbing headache, you, you find out that Trip basically equipped you with that slave headband, uh, so now you are forced to help her, and she tells you her mission is basically to travel from New York to about 300 miles west to her village, um, and, uh, you basically are her bodyguard, and, um, she kinda, at that point, you kinda learn some of the, um, her, some of her abilities, like her hologram decoy ability, her ability to, um, scout ahead, um, uh, so be able to show on your hood where mines are, what the enemies are doing. And some of the cool standout things, like this is a this is a pretty lengthy chapter and I feel like this chapter also does a really good job of like showing you like s- presenting the game to you. Um, there are like mechs that are sleeping that you can kind of avoid uh, uh, interacting with if you uh, move uh, around them in a specific way. You get to kind of see some of Trips and Monkey's interactions with like him picking her up and tossing her or him uh, lifting her, uh, putting her on his back to traverse some things. I think this is the chapter you get the plasma shot. And then I think ultimately this culminates with a, a boss fight against, um, I'm using air quotes, a boss fight against a demo bot, which is this big, like, bulky mech that has, like, wrecking balls as arms, and, um, you don't run into these enemies that often, but I'm interested to know, what was your take on the, um, on this fight, Dante? Like, it, it... it was a good change of pace, at least, like, I had an enemy that did a significant amount of damage, and I had to reassess what I was doing. They didn't exactly spell out how to take them down. It was it was fairly obvious, but there was still some thinking that needed to be done. So I think overall it was a good start to like introduce that enemy type. What about you, Trevor and uh, Greg? How'd you guys feel about the demo bot? I think I died on him once, and that was mostly because 
I was trying to dodge and block, which that's probably the first enemy you encounter where you, I don't think you can block and it's very difficult to dodge because the timing is weird. But, um, but yeah, after I died the first time, I kind of figured it out and, and basically just kind of play ring around the rosy around that statue in the center. What about you? Yeah, just <clears throat> just kind of like mirroring some of the other comments. Like, you know, it was a nice change of pace. Um, like Trevor, I think I I actually died there uh, a couple times just just because at first I was thinking that you could just you know guard all those attacks, but that didn't work. So I'm just trying to get my my timing down to dodge it, uh, dodge the attacks. But other than that, I mean, it was a it was an okay boss fight. I did appreciate that the boss fight lets you use your taunt ability in it to like draw his attention. That's not something that you get to use often, so I, I did appreciate that. Um, and just to kind of go around table, like, how do you guys feel about Trip and like her as a partner? Like, do you feel like this is pretty early on, and like we can just talk about our experience through the first half of the game that we played. But do you feel like she pulls her weight, or does she feel like a burden at all? Or, um, I think for the most part she's fine. Um, sometimes it's a little uh, it's a little annoying that you have to kind of. So there's a couple times throughout my playthrough where I'll forget that she can't get past something, so you just keep on running, and the next thing you know, you start getting that uh that kind of whatever the the migraine yeah you get that and then it's like oh so i gotta go back and get her um other than that she's like early on in the game i feel like she's pretty effective like pretty useful um because you have the uh i guess the the was it the emp thing for distraction Mm -hmm. um so end up using that a good bit um in the first few chapters um later on and you know she seems a little bit little bit less useful but uh but if if you're like kind of looking at the other um kind of partner characters like from like eco or something like or ashley from like resident evil 4 at least she she's somewhat useful you know what i mean so i guess i'll take that over the alternative what about you trevor how'd you feel about her i mean as a character i didn't really care for her initially at least and it's it's less about her abilities and more about just the idea of her it's it it's almost like white guilt where she kind of feels guilty for enslaving you so she feels compelled to help you help her i don't know and and she was just kind of very matter of factly about it you're talking about how she's kind of a bad person. Exactly. And then Monkey still kind of falls for her for no reason whatsoever. Like, you mean... Gets, gets a freaking death headband put on him, and he's just, oh, you know, well, you know, I, I can get you home. It, it's cool. I understand. Like, it, it was, it's a rough time. Well, one thing about Monkey from other adaptations is he's a very silly character. Like, he loves playing around and taunting and everything more so than monkey from um, the game enslaved and so that's kind of where i got that attitude about it from whereas like he realizes he's a slave but you know he's just gonna goof around i don't know like i get what you guys are saying and i understand and i agree but at the same time too like if you think about it from like 
a lot of times it's the dude that has the agency and the girl is being brought along. And then this, it's the opposite. So she is the one, quote unquote, in power. And she is making the guy follow her along. And so, like, she's spurring the, the action on. And I think that is interesting that it's a little bit different than your normal, like, typical story that you get. I mean, if I'd if be... Monkey was the one enslaving her, it'd be like Black Snake Moan or something. But I mean, like, not even talking about the enslaved part. I'm just saying, like, I mean, if we think about it, like, um, Bioshock, what, Duke Booker, he was I just got to save you, Elizabeth. I got to, you know, I got to do this thing. And, like, it's always the, the the male characters, like, the one that's leading the narrative in this game. Where, for this story, it's like, hey, she recognizes that she needs your help. And you may not want to help her, but she needs to get here. So she's going to do whatever it takes to get there. And I feel like if we're going to say, like, as a, uh, it's okay when it's a, a guy character doing it, then, like, I don't, it, it's kind of, it should be okay if it's a, it's a female character doing it as well, a woman character. I think my main complaint is that he's just not antagonistic about this symbiotic relationship they got where it's pretty one-sided for the most part. Like, I just don't think it's believable. There's nothing that she necessarily brings to the table, especially in the very beginning, that convinces me that he shouldn't go way more ballistic than he does, especially in the beginning. But I feel like... He also, he has the most lackadaisical type of attitude. And he is, of all the characters in this game, and this is me getting a little ahead, I feel like he's the least fleshed out as far as backstory. He just is like, I was the loner type. I was raised by nature, you know, by monkeys or whatever. And this is just how I am. So he doesn't necessarily have a sense of urgency in his character backgrounds. There's really not a rush for him to get anywhere. So, I mean, shit, might as well help her out, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how, like, like <laughs> that. that's the kind of the vibe I get. Like, he, may, he probably wouldn't help her out with the headband. He'd probably be like, yo, I don't really mess with people. Let me, I'm just going to go do my thing. But, like, what else is he going to do? You know, it's not like he's trying to get back to a family or something. He's just getting by, you know, barely getting by on his on his own. So that's fair. I just wish they kind of built up that whole relationship between them a little bit more. I agree. Like, I, I think, I think the initially it's very unbelievable, like how quickly he is to like, all right, I'll chill out, I'll help you, whatever. That's fine. But then, like, as the game goes on, like, I mean, their plan is basically. Um, Monkey has the idea he's like alright since I'm going to help you get to this place it's 300 miles away it's going to take us the longest time to go by foot if we go to this this crash site ah, the crash site of the slaver ship they had my motorcycle locked up there and if we can get there he says my ride he never calls it a motorcycle but he says my ride and um, so if we get there we can get on this motorcycle and we can make that trip a breeze so, like, he at least has a solid plan in the sense that it's like, hey, well, I if I got to do this thing for you, like, let's at least, like, do my plan because it's going to, we're going to achieve this thing the quickest versus walking walking it by foot. And um, so that's the plan. I think that's what they set forth after um, the end of Chapter 2. Uh, in Chapter 1, 
it kind of is a little bit more just introductory stuff. Um, this one is a lot more, um, a lot more blown out. Uh, so there's, um, a lot more, um, traversal in this one. There's a lot more, uh, platforming and you, you get this, you learn about the stun shot, get the stun shot ability. And then uh, this one, uh, you also split up a little bit more. So you kind of like get to experience what it's like to be on your own. And she's kind of, you're both getting to the same spot, but you're going different routes. Uh, and this one also has another fight with the demo bot. And this one is a little bit, uh, not a little bit, this one's a lot easier, where there's a whole bunch of um, stun stun ammo and plasma ammo laying around on the ground. So instead of, like, using the taunt ability and, like, racking up uh, hits on them, taunting them, making them charge at you and everything, this one's a little bit more trivialized with the stun shot and the plasma shot, so it's a lot easier. Um... But you do encounter your first mask, but, like, I just kind of, it's not that big of a deal. It's just really interesting, like, that they, in my game, even though I have all the collected masks, any cutscene that has them interact with the mask, he kind of still freaks out, and you get to see the animation and, like, the, the the photos, and he still, like, freaks out, and she's still like, oh, you're, you're getting a glitch again. And it's really interesting that I'm still getting that despite they're not actually being there in my game anymore. Um, uh, the next the next uh, chapter is, is probably actually one of my... Maybe one of the first standout chapters, in my opinion. Um, this one, uh, you have to end up climbing a crane uh, to create a dropper bridge so you guys can cross. And that's when you first encounter the dog mech which is this huge, uh, it's probably the biggest mech that you face in this game, and it's just like this animal, so it's on its high, it's on four legs, it's basically a dog, um, but it's a giant dog, and it, um, basically, uh, attacks or chases, uh, you and Trip, and it, it initiates a chase sequence, and this is like one of the instances where there's a, there's a chase sequence, and so you're running, you and Trip are running at the camera, and you see the dog behind you, and you're just kind of, like, strafing left and right as you're, like, avoiding obstacles and everything. So it's a nice little change of pace from some of the action that you have been doing before then. Um, then you eventually get chased into a theater, and um, you're just trying to find and figure out a way you can get out the theater and continue on your mission. Uh, eventually the dog does break into the theater, and um, you have to, like... You distract them uh, with this. This is Shakespeare play uh, set design uh, on the stage, and uh, there's hologram actors acting out Romeo and Juliet, and it's distracting the dog. And you end up having to do like I guess the first puzzle, something me and Dante were talking about earlier with the um, scaffolding. You got to basically raise up the, the the lighting for the the play in order to get across to jump on the scaffolding to loosen it to crush the dog. Um, what did you guys think about this particular section of the game? Being in the, the crane, in the theater, the interaction with the dog, the chase sequence, anything that comes to mind or like any of that stuff, how did you guys feel about this chapter? And I'll, I'll start with you, Dante. Um, this is like the first I, chapter that you're in like a confined environment where everything else has been outside and like super just spread out. And this one, you're in a building and I, got, I it stands out to me. It is definitely different in 
you do get a feel like you're in this building and things are kind of happening around you. I, I honestly don't remember as much as I probably should about it. I did think the whole, like, the scaffolding thing isn't difficult or anything, but it's, it's a good aside from what you were doing up until that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. What about you, uh, Greg? Um, I thought that whole section was like really well done as far as like kind of like the, the camera work for when you come in into that scene and trying to get up to the, uh, um, get up to the crane. Um, the theater area was also like pretty well done as well. Um, it wasn't, I guess I wasn't like, it wasn't anything super amazing about it, but I thought it was like really well done. What about you, Trevor? How did you feel about the dog, or did that? Did you like that little chase sequence? Yeah, as far as the dog, I'm really glad that they didn't try to turn it into like a stealth mission. Because when I saw Trip sneaking around the dog, I thought they were just going to have to avoid the dog, and it was going to turn into some kind of stealth sequence. But um, but yeah, it was cool. the The theater sequence, on the other hand, is that is some top-notch level design. Thank you. Go ahead. Top Keep notch. going. Keep going. Like, this... Partly partly a puzzle. I'm going to throw that in there. But, um... Keep going. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I mean, they give you your objective, and you kind of have to figure it out. I was kind of bummed that there's no way to actually fall down. Or they, there may be, but I, I tried to fall like intentionally, but couldn't do it. But um, so it made the stakes seem a lot lower. Um, but overall, I just I like the way this map was laid out, and like having to make multiple passes in order to get all of the um, what are the the light fixtures um yeah aligned, aligned. because you can't. It's, it's not like an interactor, interactable where you just find the right um, um, terminal and you hit the switch and the lights go up and down. You have to actually get to each of them and then you have to go back through in order to figure out um, or once, once you get high enough. What did you say? I don't think you do though. You hit the leftmost one. Then there's the right. Well, one. in order to get to the, then there's the other one. In order to get to the one that's furthest away from you, you have to um, either raise or lower the. They have to be offset. I get yeah. what Trevor's saying. Like, and then you, you go back like, through and and, and yeah. align them. I'm just saying, like, you, it's not like you have to raise one and then unraise it at some point. You just have to hit them in the right order. To a certain extent, but I mean, you still have to go back through because there's there's either one or two that are down after you make the first pass. So you have to go back through because I actually messed up and and lowered one and then went forward and ended up having to go back around again and to raise it back up again. I I appreciate I I like the level design too because it's compared to everything we played so far, everything has been super vertical. And just wide, like, just vast and spread out. And in this one, you're just in a big theater house. And it's completely, like I said, enclosed. And you're just 
it's such a nice change of pace. And even though you're in a building, so you don't get as much of the lush green environment, you know, like all the, the plants and stuff overgrown into the, the theater, there are still like signs that this place is just as overrun and just not be abandoned as everything else, uh, as the, the outside world. So I, I really did appreciate this part. And I actually like the, the, the cool touch, too, with the, 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 the set. And then having the hologram actors, I thought that was pretty amusing because, uh, I mean, that makes sense. You know, 150 years from now, like, people may not be actors. They may just have, like, holograms of, you know, people acting instead of having people play those roles, you know? So, I, I and using that as a way to distract the dog so you could solve the puzzle was pretty interesting, too. And, um... I, I really enjoyed it. It, it stand out for me because like it's unlike any of the other chapters you play. It's hard for me to look at this game and not instantly compare it to the Uncharted series just because those games like Naughty Dog is pretty much renowned for their whole making making the puzzle part of the environment and also making the environment for each area of the game incredibly unique and tying those both into the climbing mechanics, how Drake... um... So, without breaking, like, too much into Uncharted, Drake is a treasure hunter, and a lot of these things he plans ahead of time, so he has, like, a notebook and notes that he literally took about this, like, ancient Egyptian ruin, you have to, like, cross-reference it as you're solving the puzzle. So, when I think of that level of depth and that level of intricacy with, like, setting up this mechanic and tying it into the character's backstory, and then I compare it to something like this, it's very hard for me to really say that this is, like, top tier in that regard. I respect that. I, I have not. I have the trilogy when I got my PS4. I have not touched any of them, so I don't have that background that you have. But hearing you say that makes me like, okay, maybe... I mean, I eventually am going to check them out, but it's like, maybe I should put that a little bit higher on my next-to-play list because if I'm liking this... You know, I like this game as much as I like this game, and if Uncharted is anywhere near what this is, which it sounds like you said it is better than, then maybe I will. Uh, I mean, they're different games, and this has the more, like, fantasy setting, and it does a lot of things really well. Like, I like the colors of this. I like the fluidity of the movement. I like the weightiness of the movement, like you said. And I, like, that Shakespeare thing was really, really good, and I wish they did more of it, and I wish it was a little bit more just developed in that regard like this is a perfect example of a b game and i think it's on the upper tier of b game where you can tell like if they had a budget this would have been so much more ambitious and in the end it probably would have ruined it in some regards i think there's some charm to just having to deal with what you're given and like okay we have budget x and we have deadline of x they're not going to let us develop this game for... They're not going to let us delay this game for, like, two years just to make it better. Yeah. 
So we just got to go for it. And I think they did a really good job. Can, can I be with all the circumstances? Can I maybe throw out a comparison and maybe you, you can tell me if I all you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But this game feels like a better version or more realized version of like Beyond Good and Evil. Kind Ooh, of. I was, I could see I was, exactly I was, I was keeping thinking. that one in the chamber for later. Because, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, they, they touch on all these different genres. There's platforming. There's a little bit of stealth. There's, you know, the combat me- mechanic. There's some chase sequences. There's some vehicle stuff. So they kind of, you know, do all these little things, but they don't necessarily do... I'm, I'm not... This is not me saying this. This is me or... This is not the thoughts of Marcus. This is just me saying uh, how we kind of have been talking about it. But it doesn't feel like they necessarily excel at any of the gameplay stuff. Like, I think where this game shines is the animations, facial, and just, like, the way that the fluidity of the game. So it feels like a like a more modern version of Beyond Good and Evil and... It actually... It was hard not to draw that comparison when you get in that boat. Right, yeah, yeah. and Because I was thinking about it, too. I was like, the character you meet is basically your partner, you know, in Beyond Good and Evil. Because he's a mechanic. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's a mechanic. That's a, You fight with the staff. Um, you collect orbs. Uh, and then that game, you collect pearls, too. Um, and, and I was just like, man, like, you don't... Like, th- there's the open world aspect of beyond good and evil that is not in this game but i was just like man there, there's a lot of similarities between the two and it just seems like it was maybe last gen's version of beyond good and evil where it's like hey and like even the aspect of like oh if it would have made more money then there or like if it had a larger budget it could have been even grander but it had a, such a limited budget that it just had to come out. And then they also had plans for a sequel, but that ended up getting scrapped because the game didn't sell, sell enough, you know? So basically what I'm saying is maybe we'll see an Enslaved sequel in about eight more years. <laughs> We're going to see some... It'll be an early act. Some trailer. We'll see, some, we'll see like some trailer, and it's just going to be, yeah, like the air the airboat. It's kind of funny because I typed in Enslaved Beyond Good and Evil into Google, and yes, this is a very tired <laughs> conversation that the internet has been Jeez, having. I, yeah, it's just something that I was thinking about when we were like, man, it does this thing, it is simplified, and I was just like, we weren't saying that about Beyond Good and Evil, we were just kind of saying like it was like a precursor, and it was early in, like it was uh, reaching out to try to do all these things before anybody else was doing them, or like before it was like a... Games were trying to do all those things, you know? And this game, it kind of seems like, okay, it came out in a time where a lot of people were doing all these things. And so, like, this is a more simplified version of, like, some of those other games. They're just putting in a lot more of everything in it instead of focusing on one or two things. (sighs) Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, Uncharted and also The Last of Us tie into that I don't want to say they're the same thing as Beyond Good and Evil and Enslave, but they've got a lot of the aspects, despite being slightly more grounded in reality in a lot of regards, and the whole, like, verdant post-apocalyptic stuff, you see a ton of that in The Last of Us, and Naughty Dog also does a really, like, amazing job in Uncharted of 
using a really defined color palette, making everything very bright, very vivid. There's a lot of just fauna and like nature around you at all times. And they make their worlds feel super lived in. And that's what I'd like to see in like in a theoretical enslaved two. Gotcha. Man, I'm just thinking about those two games now. Um let's see, uh so we end up with the theater. So chapter five is uh this is when you guys um are getting closer, you're still heading to the crash site. Very beginning of this chapter, uh Monkey gains access to his cloud, which is like a, 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 a a hoverboard, I guess you could say, that he can just uh, surf around on, so you can surf on water or land. And that's a little cool sequence of you, like, kind of giving, getting as much time as you want to, like, play around with it. Um, and then, uh, you, as you get further along, you getting closer to the crash site. You traverse a um, collapsing tower to get to the bridge, and then once you're on the bridge, there's like a super, it's super heavily guarded by a lot of turrets and. Uh, turret mechs so like there's this cool sequence where uh trick starts up a vehicle um and then you're supposed to hop in it but she doesn't know how to work it and so it just juts forward and starts you know going forward and you end up having to use it as a moving cover um and it's funny because she's going back and forth like you know left side right side of the the road just just swerving in and out of lanes, and you're trying to stay behind her in order to avoid the uh, uh, turret fire. And I thought it was like a cool way of them further developing the, the, this, these two characters' relationships because, like, he's almost backseat driving her despite not being in the car, and just kind of like, "Hey, like, you're going too fast. Wait up, hold up, hold up, hold up," you know, like all that. And I thought that was like a cool interaction. And then um, once you get towards the end of the bridge, a dog hops on and he um, basically chases you across the rest of the bridge and then you get to the crash site and, of course, the dog is there to meet you. Um, so Trip kind of goes into hiding and you get, to, you, you get to fight this dog and you get to use your, your cloud in order to race the dog. And um, I don't know. I, I it's like a another boss fight, I guess air quotes boss fight. Um, but it's another end of the chapter, like big fight against a special type of enemy. So how how do you guys feel about this chapter? Like the the cloud, that like I said, that interaction with the vehicle, the, the moving moving cover, and even that like that last fight with the dog. And I'll and I'll start with you, Dante. I thought the cloud was definitely like a really cool addition. Just it kind of comes out of nowhere, and then even for something that's not used very much, it has a very good feel to it. It's very floaty, I guess. It's awesome. I mean, it's literally a cloud. <laughs> it it's fast. It's floaty. It feels fun to like jump between the different like freighters or whatever you're doing. It feels just loose time. enough that it still feels good. Like it's not too tight. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> And it, it was, it was kind of nice also just for the fact that I feel like as far as traversal, everything is like so rigid as far as you, you know, you have these set areas you gotta, you know, that you have to climb up, you know, and there's only like, you know, you have to stick to that. But like with the cloud, it, uh, it allowed a little bit more freedom, I guess, right? You can kind of hop onto whatever you can kind of go around and it, it felt nice to have a little bit more freedom, I guess, as far as like moving around. 
and hopping on and off the cloud feels really good too. Even the animation is cool. Yeah. Like especially and when Connor... you're when you're um I guess if you're in an area where you can walk on foot, like and you like you can literally like hop off of that area once you hop onto the cloud. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. And I, it's it's cool too because like oh, I know what you mean. Doesn't <laughs> work a second time. <laughs> um, it's kind of cool too because it's just like once you get the cloud, like you can use it throughout the levels, and like you can't use it everywhere, but it does help out and quickly getting you um, places. But uh, I actually like how it's implemented in this fight with the dog, where the dog is on foot, like he. Out, he outpaces you by a lot, but once you get on the cloud, and then the boost and everything, then you can catch up to him. And I don't think the fight is too difficult, but I do like how they use the cloud to um, in that fight, and even with the with the way you take down and defeat the, the dog. I, I really like the takedown animations on the dogs. I don't know how you guys feel about them. I, I like that's something that we've kind of undersold. Um, I'm not saying they're on par with any of the other games we've played, but I really do appreciate the takedown animations of this game. I think they're super, super brutal in a way that's cool because they're robots, and he's like literally ripping apart robots, so I think that's really cool. Man, do I have the game for you. Uh, did we already play it? <laughs> we just had to go, we got time travel back like six months. Uh... Zandatsu, man. <laughs> Tactical <laughs> dismemberment. Uh, <I> <laughs> okay, well, I really like the takedown animations. I guess it's just me. Um, no, I like them too. Oh, thanks, all, Trevor. High all five. animations. <laughs> all animations matter. <laughs> um. So, okay, so chapter... Oh, and so at the end of the chapter, after you kill the, the dog, you get he, Monkey gets his ride. So then, in between cutscenes is, um, and it's kind of an abrupt too. Is like so the cutscene is him and Trip kind of riding off on a motorcycle through like the deserts and everything, and, was, and the sunset. And it's a weird transition. There's a couple of weird transitions, but uh, you end up um, kind of skipping really going from New York 300 miles and that next mission or chapter chapter 6 you are outside of uh, are approaching Trip's village so um, there's a like an elaborate defense system in order to gain access to their their village and since she's a member of the the tribe the clan or whatever you want to call it she it should be easy but she does like the call signs and all that and people aren't responding so she's like what's up I guess we're going to have to have you, I'm going to have to have you get us access on your on your own, so then you're going to have to climb around and um, get to the watchtowers. You get to a radio tower, she's radioing. Or, excuse me, you get to a, a drawbridge or a tower, lay down a bridge. There's a couple of bridge puzzles um, that I guess these are ones that Dante were alluding to that were pretty simple. Or they, they gave you the solution. Um... Actually, I don't remember Trip saying too much during this section. Oh. Like, I do think they're pretty simplistic bridge puzzles, but at least they didn't, like, hey, monkey, you need to hit the lever over there. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember her saying anything. I, I just thought maybe this was the seat that the, the, 
main segment you were referring to, but um, uh, you you go to the second watchtower and radio the, the town, and nobody's answering. So Trip starts to see the writing on the wall, and she basically abandons you by ziplining from the tower to the village. And Monkey kind of sees that oh crap, there's a whole bunch of mechs in the village, and uh, so he tries to catch up with Trip while also fighting a ton of mechs and. Overall, this is a pretty short chapter. Um, I think it's the shortest one in the game. And it leads into chapter 7, which is... I think it's Greg said it's his favorite chapter in this game. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> so why does it stand out to you, Greg? Um, you mean like chapter 7, like what, what was my issue with it, I guess? Oh, actually, let me... Let me... Let me talk about the chapter, then we'll, we'll I'll cut back to you why you okay. liked it so okay. much. Yeah, yeah. So chapter seven is pretty much you looking for Trip. You guys are separated, and you are now in her village. And it's basically, this is a, a shooting gallery. There's so many opportunities. There's so much ammo around that you can just shoot all the mechs that you want. And, like, her village uh, as a whole, the environment is pretty, like, favela-like. So there are, like, metal shanty houses. There's a lot of... Uh, rust and bright colors you know cloths laying around and the tin uh rooftops um there's the uh the town square that you just know there's going to be a boss fight in in the middle of the village that has a ton of cover and ammo um and here you fight a a new a new enemy a, a brawl bot who fights you hand-to-hand combat, I guess. He's like a more slim-down, sleek version of the demo bot. Um, but it's pretty simple. And then, and then you fight a couple of uh, waves of mechs. And again, you, just, you can just shoot them just to kill them really quickly. And then you find Trip, who's pretty grief-stricken. And uh, she's, like, thinking everybody's dead. And Monkey says, "Where could if there were survivors, where could they be? And she's like, I think the war room, which I guess is their version of a panic room. And then she kind of realizes that, um, oh, well, there's, we'll, we'll check on the, we'll check on the war room. So let's see what's going on there. So now, Greg, uh, why do you feel the way you feel so strongly about chapter seven? Um, it, it might just be like harping on it just too much, but it's just, it, it it's literally just too much combat. Like it's, and I don't know if maybe it was a little bit, it wasn't necessarily difficult, I guess for me, but it was, it was slightly annoying. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's different because a couple of you already finished the game and you're kind of going through it with like everything, almost everything upgraded or everything upgraded. I'm assuming, but like, you know, it was just kind of a nuisance. It was like, you would kill some enemies and it's just like, Oh, okay, well here's four more. You're like, all right, well I'll kill them. All right, well, here's uh, another three or four more, and then there's some more tourists that you got to take care of. And it was just kind of, you know, the thing of trying to take care of the mechs that are in front of you, but also trying to handle the turrets. Like, the game's just not built for, like, that type of combat. And it just made it just slog on, like... And I don't know. Again, I think I'm... I feel like I'm just making a bigger deal out of it than what it is, but it, it definitely was, like, souring my mood on the game at that point. Did you... Have you upgraded your shoot, your your plasma shots or anything at all yet? Not... So the only things I've been dumping money into is just the, uh, like, health and... Uh, what is it? It's health and then shield. Those are two things that I've been uh, spending money on, but 
outside of that, that's it. I think I, I, I ended up buying the counterattack that you can get, that you can use out of the blocks, uh, the block stance or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's really it. But so, I, like I said, it could just be a personal thing on my end, you know, maybe I just haven't dumped enough into it. I, I don't want to say that's the reason I, I, cause there is a lot of combat and for me, it was like, um, I, there was a lot of shooting for me and I don't really prefer the shooting. So I actually would have maybe preferred the hand and hand to hand combat, but I'd be probably sick of it just from the amount of enemies to throw at you. If I was to play the way you played this chapter, um, Trevor, you upgraded your plasma shot. Did you did you play it more as hand to hand or more as shooting? This particular level? Yeah. Um, no. I sniped every last one of those robots or mechs. Were you able to one shot them? Yeah. Okay. So 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 that's the thing. It takes two shots for me, so that also kinda complicates it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, probably. Like are you talking about besides taking down their shield first? Yeah, so I have to do the initial shot to take down the shield, and then it's two shots to oh, wow. take them down. Yeah, I can't imagine having to do that. And then you, did you upgrade the um, the firing rate? Oh, so that would make it even slower, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why you had a bad time. Okay. Bad day, bad day. And then, like, there were some mechs that had the little timer on them uh, where they would call reinforcements. Yeah. And if you didn't yep. shoot them down fast enough, then... You ended up having to um, do hand-to-hand combat. I feel like they even just add that mechanic just to try and, like, add a little bit of difficulty to it. Well, it's not even really difficulty, I guess, but it's like there's no challenge to the combat in general. So it's just kind of like, well, let's do something to make you feel like you need to hurry up and do this. Give you a little bit of a threat. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should have attended this. It made me think of Transistor when uh, I put the limiter on to make them the cells respawn in half the time, and I was like, holy crap, I gotta deal with this person. But just the amount of time that you have to deal with that is like 20 seconds, which is like trivial, especially that I'm fully upgraded. Like, I can be full screen and just like one-shot them, which is kind of like, doesn't make combat too uh, engaging, but I like the fact that I can one-shot them, so at least I don't have to fight more enemies. And I will say, for me, too, just I, I prefer the hand-in-hand combat, so having a level that is just shooting for the most part was not that fun for me either. So this was like a standout, like, it was a pretty lengthy uh, chapter, and it kind of sucked that it was so combat-focused. I don't, I don't think there was hardly any climbing, platforming at all in this chapter, so it was it was kind of a little disappointing. Um, and, uh, so chapter eight kind of starts up with Trip basically saying, hey, we can go to the war room. It can only be locked from the inside. And so that means, and it's still active, which means that somebody is on the other side. Must be my father. And then, th- tell me this is not the most video game-ass video game plan, but, like, all the video game buzzwords is, the plan is to overclock the town windmill to create a power surge that will overload the war room doors, forcing their electronic locks to reboot, which Trip will override to gain access. Is that like the... To find an audio log. <laughs> Is that like, yeah, it's like the most video game-ass video game plan I've ever heard in my life. 
and um, the the it's kind of played out, kind of whatever. Like you climb over to the windmill and you do this interesting puzzle where you have to climb up this windmill that's inactive. You start it up and then you basically have to pull the blades. I don't know what you call them the uh, the sails of the blades, I guess, uh, in order to get them going. And it's kind of cool because um, the more you, there's three blades that you have to do this for, and as you progress further along, like as you pull more blades, the windmill goes faster, and you have to like get off the windmill and go back to the bottom. And the way to do it, you have to go through like these gears and mechs that are churning, and so as you're completing they're making this windmill go faster that part of the puzzle gets harder to do i guess you could say i'm using air quotes when i say harder you can die on that part not not necessarily die but you can get hit oh i didn't even know that because wait those things don't one shot you if you like go into the windmill part of the windmill and you drop at the wrong moment i didn't get one shot but i also am upgraded all the way too so maybe that did you die no, I I was hoping that it would kill you if you like. I got hit once, but I think I and like it was probably the most red my screen had turned. But I think maybe it's because I was fully upgraded that maybe that's why it didn't kill me. I'm sorry to take away some of the illusion of that puzzle. My bad, guys. Didn't mean to ruin it for you. Um. But then uh, you you get back to the town square and you, you face a, another dog, and this dog is super super easy. Um, and then, uh, well, at least it was easy for me. And then uh, you access the war room to find Trip's dead father, and he has a voice message that's left for her. And uh, he basically, our Trip basically vows revenge on the slavers that wiped out her village, and she basically tells Monkey she lied. And she changes their initial agreement, which was the agreement was was that Monkey was supposed to take her to her village and then she would free him. But now she's basically forcing Monkey to take her further west in order to help her get revenge on these slavers that wiped her village. Which I feel a little bit weird about because it's like this is more of like the enslaved part where it's like, okay, now they're kind of friends and like, he would probably do this for you anyways, but you're forcing him to, which is kind of wrong. But at the same time too, I'm like, this kind of cool because you don't necessarily see a lot of revenge stories play out where it's a, a, a lady trying to get her revenge. And like the only movie or story I can think of is like the Kill Bill story. Not to say that she's as badass as Charlie's Theron is, but just saying, like, it's it's kind of cool that... You need to check out Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> okay, sure. But it, it, I think it's just kind of cool that it's, like, she's the one continuing to spur on this adventure, uh, which is interesting and uh, not something you see too often. But uh, how'd you guys feel about the windmill sequence? Personally, I, I liked it um, a decent amount. It at least... It got me involved in a way I wasn't expecting to. I think it probably took me about 10 minutes or so to get through the entire thing overall. So, I said sequence. Should I have called it a puzzle? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, are we, there we call Absolutely. it a puzzle. Yeah, it's a, it's a puzzle. It's... What? Okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> and it's actually a fleshed out puzzle, unlike Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Why are we bringing up but old not stuff? Papa Yo, though. Not Papa Yo. It's like, it's on par with Papa Yo. Got it. No, it's better than that. <laughs> How'd you guys feel? How'd you feel about Trevor? Um, I thought it was fun. I wish, um, well, I don't know. It wasn't as long as the, um, the theater sequence, but it was still a, a cool puzzle. Like, and, and that's one of the things that makes me gravitate, gravitate towards this game is, is like the traversal puzzles, which is one reason why I like Assassin's Creed and like the Tomb Raider games. Um, is because of that sort of thing. So, this is right up my alley. Gotcha. And how did you guys feel about Trip's change of plans? Yeah, it is Trip. what it is. Really? I am not a fan of Trip, to be honest. <laughs> Dang. Tough crowd. I'm over Trip. Like, it, it makes <laughs> it makes an interesting story, but that doesn't mean I have to like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I, th- I think having... What is his name? Andy Serkis? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know anything about movies, so that was kind of new to me until I looked at his eyes. Have you watched Black Panther? Yes, I know he's, um, what's his name? Claw? Yeah. Yeah, he he does a good job. He does a very good job. And I think that's kind of partly why this game, it's hard to, like, say that she does a bad job, but she just doesn't. She's not at the level of circus, I don't think. So he's kind of the standout performance for me. So it's hard for me to get on board with Trip as far as like her acting, her performance in comparison to this literally like dude who's doing Star Wars movies and Planet of the Apes and all of this jazz. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think part of it is just because you're the main, or he's the main character. Like, I feel like she does a good job of when she's, you know, um, in, in any of the cutscenes. But I do, I definitely felt that way. Like, especially, I think it was a little bit, it felt really corny when she was, like, grieving over the headset. Like, you, you guys are split up. And she's like, oh, my God, you know, like, all this stuff. And it just seemed like a little too much. Her interjections are really weird and they don't fit. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And then, and then it was really weird too, because you can kind of see the outline when, you know, like you get the video game as video game features, where it's like, I don't see the character, but you can kind of see their outline because they're blocked by a lot of buildings. So you can kind of just see their outline. And like, she's just standing straight up and she's grieving like, Oh, my father. Or, you know, so like, I mean, she's giving a lot more, Act, or you know, there's a lot more pain in her voice, but like her actual animation when she's saying that, she's just standing up, and it's just like, what's going on? Like this is really weird. But like I said, in the in the actual uh, cutscenes, it, it it comes through, but just in the in the the actual game, it doesn't as well. At least in this particular point. Um, but uh. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. The, this last chapter, chapter nine, the wasteland. So this is uh, you guys head a little further or further west by bike um, to meet up with Trip's father's friend. Uh, he lives in a swamp, and uh, as you find out that he has an infatuation with pigs, so he has a lot of p- 
caked signage. Um, the swamp is pretty secure and has a very anti-mech defense setup. So um, there's a lot of mechs staked out outside of his land, but they can't get in. Um, there's a there's a cloud sequence uh, where you have to do this puzzle, take out some robots and drop a robot arm, or take out some mechs to drop a, a bridge, a robot arm bridge, which is pretty cool looking. Uh, then there's an airboat turret sequence where um, uh, Trip is, it's a vehicle sequence where Trip is uh, driving the boat, and you're on the back on a turret with a, fl- uh, a light, a uh, high beam, and you're going through this dark cave, and she's calling out, uh, you know, uh, to the right, to the left, uh, straight ahead, like she's calling out uh, mechs that are coming out to try to attack you guys, and that was pretty interesting, and then there's another cloud sequence with more mines, and then um, you you are getting closer and closer to the guy's land, and he's called it Pigsy Land, which is weird, and there's uh, something blocking your way, so you hop off the airboat and to try to clear the way, and you find that there's a sleeping dog, <laughs> sleeping dog, that is beside this path, and uh, you accidentally awaken it by moving stuff, and basically Trip takes off on the airboat, and the dog immediately starts chasing the airboat, and you hop on your cloud and, and chase it, and it's a pretty simple, like, it's like a timed sequence or t- uh, where you have to get to the dog in a certain amount of time in order to prevent the animation of it at killing Trip. So there's a lot of, like, mines you got to avoid and jumps and there's boosters. And it's a cool little 30, 45-second uh, sequence um, where you, until you get to take down the dog. So... What do you guys think of this new setting? So instead of it being like a super vibrant, lush environment, it's the Swamplands. But it's Swamplands with a lot of machinery and like, you know, mechs and just there's a lot of uh, mechanical, there's a mechanical aspect to the environment. Uh, what, what do you think, Trevor? Like this is very different than the urban, the urban vibrant landscape. This definitely reminded me of Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> which is a good thing right I mean it had a very similar level but yeah it is a good thing I mean be, this game is definitely up there on the list of games that we've played um, as far as Beyond Good and Evil it's it's up there along with it um, <laughs> like the, the level where you're chasing the dog or the dog is chasing Trip and you're trying to catch up with it I actually looked through the achievements list and saw that there was an achievement for taking down the dog in I think twenty five or twenty six seconds. And I got it, man. That part was so frustrating. I got it because there are there are some mines that you could kind of get into their zone and it wouldn't explode, and then there are others where if you barely grazed the zone that they're in, it would explode and kill you. Yep, that happens. I yeah I um there was like four achievements or five achievements that I was missing that I still haven't gotten for this game and so far I've gotten two of them and one of them was this one and I actually I all I did is I I looked up the achievements that I didn't have and I watched the video and then I did it and I got it on my first try like I wasn't going for it I was just following the the path the guy took but I didn't expect it to like I didn't feel like I did it optimally or anything like that I was just like. Well, let me see if I could even try to do this. And it was a little difficult because, like you said, you had to 
really hugged the edges of some of the radi- the ranges of the mines, but it was a uh, it wasn't that difficult, and it, it, it was cool though. It was uh, I, I like that I like that time sequence aspect of it. What about the uh, vehicle sequence with the airboat? How'd you feel about that? It was really stiff. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't care too much for it. And towards the end, is like when they start throwing a lot more mechs at you, I guess they try to make it seem like it's getting more difficult. It's uh, not. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's not. It's just really stiff to me. About you, Greg? How'd you feel about the swamp lands, the dogfight, and the vehicle sequence? Um, I like the change of uh, change of scenery. I guess. Um, I didn't really have any like strong feelings on this chapter in general. Um, I mean, like I said, it was kind of nice that you had a little bit of change of scenery, but outside of that, didn't really feel one way or another on it. Dante, whoops, sorry, hit the wrong button. Um. I definitely like the change of pace. I like the change of scenery, even though it's kind of like more common for the Unreal Engine at that point. Like, back in the 360 days, Unreal Engine 3 was commonly criticized for being like the brown engine and making everything look muddy. But since the game had done such a good job up to this point about not falling into that trope, it really like stands out in comparison when they pull it out now. So I think they did a really good job of setting that up. Um, it was good to use the cloud again. I don't think it was like the most compelling thing, but it was a fun aside. The boat section, like everybody said, it was pretty stiff, um, but I didn't mind it too much. So overall, I liked it. I, I like the Swamplands just like the environment, and I thought this chapter in particular, maybe not the most fun, but it was interesting because... There's not too much platforming, a lot of vehicle, like, riding, like, there's two cloud sequences, plus the fight on the cloud against the dog, or the chase sequence, plus the airboat, or the the, the vehicle sequence, so it was a lot of just being on a vehicle, which was kind of interesting, and I guess the payoff at this is you meet Pigsy, you meet Tripp's dad's friend, which is the third and final character in this game, and, um... He's a very interesting character. He's he is a human, but he has he's this short, stubby, uh, chubby man that has some pig-like qualities. So he has like this monocle setup that the no like it has a nose and it's a pig snout, and he has that over the place of his nose. And then he also has like pig a pig ear, a metal pig ear attachment too. So he's an interesting character, and I'm interested to see Trevor and Greg's response to this character because I think he's pretty interesting. And um, I'm looking forward to this back half of this game. Do you have any? Um, I know you were kind of meh on playing this game, Dante, before. I'm just wondering if at the halfway point, do you still feel that way? Um, I know, like, I think you were, like, on part or chapter two or three, and you were just kind of like, I don't really want to play this. Um, I, does, do you still feel that way? To be honest, yes. But, I'm not, like, I don't want this to be misconstrued as me, like, saying the game. Yeah, yeah, I'm not bad. taking it that way. I, I like this game. I just, before I even went into it, I realized how little of it I remembered. 
and I was actually kind of surprised when I did notice a couple things. I'm like, oh, that's strange. Normally, like, I wouldn't expect to remember anything from a game like this. But I think there are some interesting things in the back half from what I vaguely remember of the story. So I'm a little bit more excited to play that half than I was the first half. And I don't remember a thing about Pigsy, to be honest. So I'm kind of anxiously excited about getting reintroduced to him as well. So I, I got a little bit of promise. Like the last three or four chapters felt like I was mostly going through the motions. But I think there's going to be a pretty big pivot kind of soon. I mean, so I'm looking there's got to be because, I mean, we only have five chapters left. But um, I, I'm actually in the same boat as you where I... I haven't played this game in about five or six years and I do not remember too much about the back half of this game. Um, I remember liking Pigsy and I remember a reason why I like Pigsy. Um, but most of my memories when I think of this game are the front half, not to say the back half is not good, but I, I think some of the more standout parts were like some of the environmental stuff is some of the stuff that I remember in the first half. So I'm, I have a feeling that the back half is going to be more muted colors, more brown and grays, and you know. So I, I have a feeling that's uh, why I remember more of the front half of the game. Um, but I'm I'm I love this game, and uh, I'm re uh, replaying this. Want to make it nice and tight. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to this back half. Uh, what about you? And also, yeah, we're going to be talking about the DLC, which is, I don't think any of us have played the DLC, so I'm also looking forward to finally cracking into that, because I think that came out, or I got it, like, way later than I should have. Um, but what about you, Greg? How, how are you uh, feeling about the game so far, and um, are you looking forward to the back half, or nah? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of kind of interested to see how the how the uh how the game ends um <clears throat> i was a little disappointed that the um that the masks that you collect don't really uh don't really pay off to anything because i was hoping that that was going to be kind of like a like a, a fourth wall thing and it was gonna you know be something that kind of adds to the story but but yeah i mean in general i'm kind of excited to see where where it goes and how it ends and also to check out the dlc yeah what about you trevor yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with Paige. I mean, Pixie. Um, <laughs> uh, I bet you had to look up his name because I forgot his name. I looked it up like <laughs> like right after I finished uh, Mission 9. But, I gotcha. mean, they gave the guy his own DLC, so something's got to be interesting about him. Yep. Cool. So, um, I guess, do anybody got anything else they need to say about this? game nah all right then um greg do we have any questions sorry about that i was eating <laughs> um I, nah we don't have any emails or any questions but um as always you guys can hit us up at mischeckpoints at gmail.com if you got any thoughts concerns or feedback for the show or you guys are playing the same games we're playing and you want to kind of follow along um so yeah hit us up there even if you're not playing the same game that we're playing, yeah. we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I co-sign that. I co-sign that 100%. Um, 
Hey, well, also, where can people find you at, uh, Greg? Uh, I'm everywhere, you know. You guys can uh, find me on Twitter, at BoomboxHero. Uh, Facebook, same as, same as that, Facebook.com slash BoomboxHero. And my almost forgotten Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash XDRD Magnegro X. What about you, Dante? Where can people find you? I keep saying I'm going to start streaming again, but I just haven't found the game I've really been into enough to stream, I guess, or that I feel like would be an actual, like, interesting thing to stream. So maybe I can find that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be gone for the next um, week and a half, so it's not going to happen then. But maybe after that, they could find me at Twitch TV slash Awaken Cloud. Whatever happened with Yakuza? So I started that, and I, I tend to play that game really, really late at night. So it really, a lot of sense to start streaming it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and what about you, Trevor? You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Lyric Unsung. Okay, okay. I, I don't know if you had anything else. Um, you can find me uh, journeying to the West. That's what I'm going to be. I'm journeying to the West. Um, hey, I want to break from the show for just a second. What is everybody's like one E3 wish slash prediction since we're coming up on that um Man, just to tie it all together, just to tie it all together, I want to he- I want to see some more Beyond Good and Evil too. Like I'm like, as we were talking about this game and then how close it, or you know, like how we felt. Oh, it's like Beyond Good and Evil. I got more and more excited about Beyond Good and Evil too for no reason, and I'm looking forward to hearing some more about that and maybe something more realistic. Um, I'm interested to see, I don't even know what else is coming out right now. Uh, if they, are they, are they planning on showing anything Borderlands 3? I'd be down for that. Some Borderlands 3 content. That was in the Walmart leak, but I think they said they're not going to show it. And I think that's kind of a spite move on their part. So they probably were, but then now they're not. I think that's the current thought around the internet. Damn. Well, shoot, I don't want to take anybody else's answers, so I'll just say Beyond Good and Evil 2 then. Trevor? Release dates. That's what I want to see. Release dates? What you looking for? And release anything. Dates for? That Pokemon game? And, and games not being canceled. Delayed? And delayed, man. <laughs> Push back, yeah. That, that's all I'm looking forward to. I bet Trevor wants to say Kingdom Hearts 3. I bet he does. I mean, as much content as we've gotten recently, like, I'm I'm satisfied for now. So even if they don't show anything at E3, um, if they do eventually just give us a release date, I'll be excited. I was super excited for last year's E3, and now I'm just kind of meh, meh this year. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I know why, but... I, <laughs> I usually get excited, like, that... The, usually the Saturday before, I think what's the first press conference? I want to say it's like EA or somebody. This or is it Bethesda? I forget. Anyway, there's supposed to be a press conference Saturday. Usually, like that day before, I get kind of excited to see what's going on. But outside of that, nah. So if the Walmart leak completely goes through and everything, like at least it's listed, is shown in some fashion, 
I'd be very excited to see something about the Final Fantasy VII I was remake. waiting for it. <laughs> it's literally been three years. So a screenshot actually leaked recently, like a week ago. They did some type of like recruitment ad, and then in, in like the back of one of the monitors, you can see an off-screen shot of the game, and people are like, man, this is what it's like to be a Square Enix fan, pretty much. Like, wait three years to get an off-screen screenshot and analyze every single corner of it. And I guess aside from that, Nintendo definitely want to see Smash, but that's obviously going to be there. Hoping we see a little bit more Metroid Prime 4. And Rage 2? <laughs> Which Rage 2? <laughs> yeah. I, heck, after that trailer, I'm pretty down for that, man. Okay, okay. I should see if uh, Devil May Cry shows up. It's looking more and more apparent. People have been waiting on that game for like three years because of leaks. But this seems to be like it's time. All the Devil May Cry voice actors are like on Twitter teasing it and stuff. So Hopefully it's another Ninja Theory joint. Bro, you can mute yourself and never unmute yourself after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just Googled E3 Walmart leak list. And something I saw was, I don't know, it, it was a Overcooked 2 potentially being on Switch? Is that a thing? Yep. Okay, I don't even so, have a Switch, but I'm, yes, Overcooked. More Overcooked, please. So that was a second leak that happened where they pretty much announced, like, Fortnite, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Overcooked, like, one other really popular game. And then Fortnite has pretty much been all but confirmed. Oh, the Assassin's Everything Creed? On that list is looking pretty. Huh? Assassin's Creed? Yeah, it might have been. Assassin's, oh, let's see. Forza Horizon 4, DBZ for, uh, DB, DBFZ for Switch, Fortnite for Switch, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Rage 2, the Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, Killer Queen Black, uh, Overcooked 2, the Star Fox Grand Prix, Gears 5, Just Cause 4, Splinter Cell, and DMC 5. So, yeah, I'm I'm Overcooked too. I, man, Overcooked is so good. Yes. I just need a second to apologize for Greg. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> like, I like DMC Devil May Cry, but I let the rest of the internet's opinion on that game slightly taint my <laughs> opinion for a second. Why you don't like Dante? I don't know. Have any of you guys played Overcooked? Uh, I think I own it, but I have not played it yet. Yeah, I've played it. I played it yeah, with you, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was when I played it, too. Okay. Okay, you guys are welcome. Damn. That game is so good. Alright, um, do you got any, any other, any other things that you need to, um, exclaim your excitement for? Nah, man, I just wanted to, you know... Show a little bit of our personalities out there to our loving fans. We ain't got no personalities. We're robots. <laughs> we also don't got no fans. Eh, you never know. Somebody's out there. There are dozens. Alright, well, um... I guess, does anybody got anything else that we need to say? E3, enslaved wise, or anything else? Nah. Alright, well, we are missed checkpoints and we're out. Peace. Peace.